Well, good morning. If you would, please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. It's toward the very back, and uh, I haven't looked because it's my first time here, but the order of service says it's on page 1060, so I'm going to trust that, um, that, they, that that's right. Um, but the book of, of Philemon, and as, as you're turning, um, I do just want to say it's a joy to be with you. Uh, thank you all for, for letting me be here. Um, it, it truly is a delight to gather with you this morning. Uh, my family and I have only been in the area for a few months, so we actually have been members of uh, Potomac Heights Baptist Church for about three months now. Uh, but I've been a Christian for almost 22 years. And um, I, after following the Lord for about 10 years, I, uh, I told him that I would never preach. And that's um, never good to, to tell God what you're going to do. But um, I told him, I prayed, I said, God, I love you. I will never preach. Um, I want to serve you, but I will never speak um, publicly for you. And obviously, uh, the Lord had, had other plans. Um, but I hesitated to preach, even about you know, 10 years ago or so, when I prayed that prayer, um, because I was terrified. Um, I mean, I was, I was fearful of, of speaking. Um, also just fearful to enter into um, um, that work. And uh, I still do get nervous uh, uh, when preaching. And so when your, your pastor, Brother Garrett, called, um, I was excited, but also a little nervous. And he was kind of giving me instructions uh, just so I, w- I would know kind of what to do. And I was trying to take, take notes. I was a little nervous. But the only thing I remember him saying was, uh, make the gospel clear. And so I wrote that down, and so I, I thought that was really encouraging, just that my first, con- I never met Garrett or talked to him, but my first conversation with your pastor, he was telling me, hey, guard the gospel, make the gospel clear. And so this morning, I want to obey Pastor Garrett's charge uh, to make the gospel clear. And so why then a book on Philemon? Why this little book? Um, why this book that is focused on forgiveness? Um, and maybe from the beginning, we can make it personal. Um, why, why would we forgive people? I mean, holding a grudge comes so easy I mean, among our families. It comes so easy um, to hold a grudge against our coworkers, right, against our neighbors who we, we disagree with. So why would we spend time thinking about forgiveness? And I think, simply put, as Christians, we are able to forgive other people because we have been forgiven. And so in this book, I want to go ahead and give you five things we learned. So, so five takeaways uh, right from the beginning from this book of Philemon. Um, so like Paul, we should encourage our brothers and sisters. Like Paul, we should encourage our brothers and sisters. Like Paul, we should correct with gentleness. A third thing we, we learned from this book is that like Philemon, we should strive to refresh God's people. A fourth thing we learn is that like Philemon, we should forgive others. And then a fifth takeaway from the book of Philemon is that like Onesimus, we need forgiveness. And friends, I I hope you never grow tired of hearing that reminder that as sinners, we can be forgiven for our disobedience. That even though we have disobeyed God, there's a way for us to be forgiven. And it's through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ that that forgiveness is freely offered to all of us. So as Christians, we've experienced that. 
it's because of Christ's work that we gather every Sunday. And also as Christians, that's the message we offer to people who don't know Christ. We plead with them, believe in Jesus, please. And so let me give you one main idea for this book. It's that our love for Christ can be remembered. Our love for Christ can be remembered and displayed. Only two points. The first seven verses of Philemon, we see love for Christ remembered. And then in verses 8 through 25, we see love for Christ displayed. So let's listen now as God speaks to us through his word in the book of Philemon. And I'll read the whole book, starting in Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Verse 8, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me in your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of, of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God, and it is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we want to honor you. Father, we, we ask you now that, that you would bring conviction through your word. Father, would you stir us up to love and good works? Father, would you help us for the sake of Christ to know your word more. Father, we need your help. Would you help us, please? 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first, first section is verses 1 through 7. And, and the, the kind of section heading is love for Christ remembered. And so we've, we've read this whole letter. And hopefully, just as we're going through, you can see that Paul's tone in Philemon is a little bit different than in some of the other letters. Um, but it's pretty obvious, right? Philemon is a beloved brother in Christ. So the Apostle Paul, in some letters, is dealing with false teachers. And so he's speaking very directly and clearly. But you notice his tone has shifted here. Right? He's speaking to a brother that he loves. And you can see that clearly. And even though, right, if, if you notice kind of the end there, there were some difficult things the Apostle Paul was having to say. But he doesn't just come out with, with, with sarcasm, right, right, with harshness. So I thought maybe this would help. Have you ever had to deliver difficult words to someone? Have you ever been in a place, right, I and mean, even think, think among your, your families, right, with, with your spouse or at your work with your coworkers? Probably at some point, you're going to have to share some difficult news with someone, right? It may not be, you know, like at a hospital when someone, you know, receives news on their deathbed. But it could just be a, a, a small conflict. You know that there are helpful ways to go about having that conversation, and then there are unhelpful ways to go about having a difficult conversation. I mean, you may have, people have come over to your house, right, and it gets late at night, and you have to kind of nudge them, tell them to leave. There are helpful ways to suggest that they leave your house, and then there are unhelpful ways to suggest that they leave your house. So if, if someone's at your house, you could say, get out. Yeah, that would be direct, and they may not come over again. Uh, or you could just say, you know, hey, brother, sister, this has been fantastic. I've got to wake up early in the morning. You probably do as well. Why don't we call this a night? Um, so here, though, we see the Apostle Paul with a different tone than, say, in the book of Galatians. Here he brings up a very difficult subject, but he does so gently and, and with love. And you probably have good examples in your own life, bad examples, when you've tried to address something difficult with someone. It may have gone well, it may not have. Um, you know, you think again just about marriage. Surely I'm not the only one who has received a text from my wife saying, hey, what are you doing? We need to talk. Right? I don't even have to, emojis aside, right? I, I can tell the tone of her text that I've uh, done something wrong again. Um, and so, you know, there, again, there are ways, though, to bring up tough conversations in a way that's antagonistic. But then there are also ways with love and grace to bring up a difficult subject, to say, hey, have you thought about this? Brother or sister, have, have you considered what you're doing? Uh, and so in this book of Philemon, the Apostle Paul gives us a picture of what life is like after Christ has ascended, right? They're, they're waiting for Christ to come back. But even so, I think our brother Nate in Sunday school, right, served us very well and, and taught us from Second Peter, taught us from Jude, really about guarding sound doctrine, about how there are, there are false teachings that we need to deal with. But beloved, even among people who are ag agreed in doctrine, there are still matters that come up, right? So we can all have the same confession and believe that, just like Paul and Philemon. But even though they, they had the same doctrine, right? Paul's not telling Philemon, hey, you have the wrong Christ. No, Paul's telling Philemon, we love the same Jesus, but there are still some issues that we need to address. And again, he does so with love. Notice Paul's gentleness. Just look, look at the first three verses of Philemon again. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Listen to this. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, 
and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you were to write an email like this to me or, or send me a text and start it this way, my guard is just going to go straight down. And if that's your subject in the email, it doesn't matter if you're complaining about something very serious. I'm going to listen. I'm going to take whatever you have to say to me. I'm going to take it to heart. If you start out with saying, beloved brother, right, um, you can just tell that there's, there's love and there's affection here from the Apostle Paul, right? And he could have said, hey, dear Philemon, um, I'm not happy with your behavior, right? He, I mean, so sorry, Philemon. Um, Timothy's also writing with him. But so he could have been direct, right? I don't want us to miss that this is the Apostle Paul who's writing. He could have had one verse, Tim, or sorry, Philemon, stop it. You're doing this, so, so just stop doing this. I'm not happy with your behavior, and I'm the Apostle Paul, so Philemon, cut it out. So, but, but then why, since he had that authority, why would he take precious time to be gentle with, with his brother Philemon? Um, well, Paul here is demonstrating for us what he told us to do in Ephesians. Do you remember his words in Ephesians? Paul says, speak the truth in love. Similar in Galatians. He says, correct your brother with gentleness. And here, the Apostle Paul, with his words to Philemon, is telling us, or showing us that. Um, he knows he's writing to a brother. He knows he's writing to a family member. And that, that is very clear. So then we may ask, right, we're thinking about Paul's words to Philemon. How or what does Paul remember about Philemon's love? So, so the first kind of main point is that love for Christ can be remembered. So then what does Paul remember about Philemon's love? Well, there's going to be four things. And so look, look with me down at verse 4. So verses 4 through 7, and here Paul mentions four things that he remembers about Philemon's love. Verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Listen to this in verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And so you see that in verse, verse 4, right? When I remember you in my prayers. And I don't know if you have a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who just can't seem to remember anything. Um, if you don't know any, I am one of them. I, I am terrible at, at remembering things. Um, but when we think of this word, right, verse 4, right, when I remember you, often what comes to our mind is like recovering something that, that we forgot, right? We forgot about it. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that. Um, and, and I said that our love for Christ can be remembered because hopefully you see that clearly in verse 4, right? That's what the Apostle Paul says, right, when I remember. Um, but when he uses this word, he's not saying, Philemon, I forgot how you served the Lord, no, he is saying, Philemon, I think regularly, I remember. And notice what he says, remember you in my prayers. So he, he, he's not saying, yeah, I need to correct you. Oh, yeah, and I forgot how you served the Lord. No, he's saying, Philemon, I love you, and I remember what you do. And so here, here are the four things that he mentions. Look, look in verse 5. So he remembers Philemon's faith in Christ. And his love in Christ. You see that in verse 5? I hear of your love 
and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus. So he says, Philemon, I remember your love for Christ. Also in verse 5, though, notice, notice toward the end, and for all the saints. So as the Apostle Paul remembers Philemon, he, he remembers, brother, I know you love Christ, and I know you love the saints. But also in verse 7, I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. So a third thing that the Apostle Paul points out about Philemon is that I remember that you, you, you are a source of joy for me. You comforted me. The fourth thing in verse 7, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So Paul remembers Philemon. You, you refresh the people of God. And so, friend, I, I wonder this morning, could the same be said of us? I mean, could, could we insert our name in the place of Philemon? So maybe, maybe could it be said, we remember La Plata Baptist Church's love and faith in Jesus. We remember La Plata Baptist Church's love for all the saints. We remember their love and how they gave joy and comfort. We remember how those Christians refreshed the hearts of the saints. Friend, are you known for loving the people in this room? Would they say the same about you? Are, are, you, are you known as a source of refreshment, of, of, of encouragement to the believers in this room? So hopefully, even in these seven verses, our brother Philemon's example is an encouragement to all of us. And I already mentioned this, but I think another thing worth noticing is the Apostle Paul, what, what he's doing. How in the, the second part of this letter, he's dealing directly with a brother. Right? He doesn't just say, Philemon, you're probably doing something wrong. Just figure it out and take that before the Lord. No, he's naming names and saying, here's what you should do. But before he deals with the correction, he spends time encouraging his brother. And so I think it's helpful for us because as Christians, there are times when we should restore our brothers, right? Whenever we have to speak a direct word to our brother or sister. And so I think if, if the next time you're in that situation, maybe read through the book of Philemon because the Apostle Paul has modeled for us what it looks like to deal with a brother or sister directly. And notice how much time he spends saying, I've seen you. Right, We're on the same team. I love you, but we need to deal with this. Um, and so also, I want to look, before we move to what he, what he says, notice what he does, the Apostle Paul. Look, look at verse 1. So before he deals with him, he reminds Philemon who he is. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. So he's, he's not saying, Philemon, look, I'm a businessman. Right? It makes sense that you would do this because you can make money. No, no, he's saying, Philemon, I am a prisoner. I'm in prison because I proclaim the gospel of Christ. That's who I am, and that's who I am encouraging you to do this. So the first thing Paul does is he tells Philemon who he is. The second thing um, Paul does is, is he tells Philemon, brother, I know who you are. Look, look at verse 1. Beloved fellow worker. So he says, Philemon, you're loved. And not only that, but you're a fellow worker with me. If you look at the end of Philemon, right, he's in pretty good company with, with the fellow workers. Um, we'll talk about church planting a team. We'll look down at verse, verse 23. You have Epaphras, you have Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. He says, my fellow workers. Right, if you're going to plant a church, you probably want to, to include these guys. So the Apostle Paul says, Philemon, you're with us. You are our fellow worker. Uh, a third thing the Apostle Paul does, we'll look at verse 4. 
He says, Philemon, I'm praying for you. Right? I thank my God always and I remember you in my prayers. So the fourth thing, though, is that he, he encourages Philemon by, by being specific with him because he points out five ways that God has worked in Philemon's life. Right? We already looked at four of them that Philemon was doing. But there was a fifth thing. Look, look, at, verse, look at verse 2. And the church in your house. So by the grace of God, Philemon has a church in his house. And so again, before he goes to dealing with the specific issues that Philemon needs to hear, he points out, here are the evidences of God's grace in your life. And so a simple ap application question for all of us is, do we remember our brothers and sisters? And not again, not just, oh, we forgot, but do we mention them? Do we think about our brothers and sisters in the same way the Apostle Paul thinks about Philemon? I mean, do you mention your brothers and sisters in prayer? I know you do some because I heard our brother, brother Chris mention several people uh, by name. And if I could maybe press a little further, though, when was the last time you celebrated your brothers and sisters' love for Christ in the same way that Paul does? When was the last time you approached them and said, I see an evidence of God's work in your life? Because these, I mean, these things are very, very simple. And again, before he appeals, he takes time to encourage his brother. So the second thing we see in verses 8 through 25 is we're going to see love for Christ displayed. So we see in verses 1 through 7, love for Christ remembered. And I hope that is an encouragement to you. It's very simple, right? He's just pointing out God's work in his life. The next thing we see is, is love for Christ displayed. And we're going to see the love of Christ displayed by three people. Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus. And so I'm going to start reading in verse 8. So look there with me. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So here you have the Apostle Paul writing to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. So that, those are the people we see the love of Christ displayed through. Right? It's displayed through Paul, Onesimus, and Philemon. And so as mentioned already, um, if you've read some of Paul's other letters, it's the, there's an obvious difference in his tone here. I mean, you'd almost think, yeah, he was just having a bad day when he wrote that letter to Galatians because he is so direct with them. Um, he's telling them, if anyone has a different gospel, then let them be accursed. Uh, but again, he's dealing with false teachers. Here, he is dealing with a brother in Christ. And so as we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should follow this example. We should display our love for Christ in the same way. Um, and so Onesimus, so we, we said there are three people that, that we're looking at who display the love of Christ. Um, Onesimus' love for Christ, I mean, he is a prominent character, but as we read this, we, we may overlook him. But Notice how his love for Christ is displayed. I mean, this brother who is um, in the wrong. But notice how his love is displayed. Look at verse 10. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So the apostle, I mean, did, did he adopt Onesimus? Is that, is that what the apostle Paul is talking about? No, he's, he's referencing Onesimus's conversion. He's saying Onesimus now is one of us. He's a child in the faith. Right? He, I am his father. I became his father in my imprisonment. 
So he says, I'm not writing, uh, again, ab- about just your former, your former slave, right? this person who worked for you. I am writing now on behalf of your brother in Christ. And so one way that Onesimus' love is displayed is that it's described. Um, also in, in verse, uh, verse 15, um, or sorry, verse 16, listen to this. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. And so I know this is simple, but we do the same thing, right? I mean, we, when we display love for people, we, we, we just say it. Um, I love my wife. Uh, I love our daughter, Ellen. Um, you know, hopefully that's not news to anyone, that I love my wife uh, and I love our daughter. You know, hopefully whenever you tell people that you love your family, right, when you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, hopefully that's not new news. Um, but even being reminded of the same thing um, is, is very helpful. And so it's a simple way to display love, but it's one that we shouldn't overlook. Um, and so Philemon's, though, so we've seen Paul's love displayed. We've seen Onesimus' love displayed. Uh, Onesimus' love is also displayed through his actions. I don't know about you, but I would not want to be in Onesimus' shoes here. Um, I mean, he has to return to Philemon, who he has run away from. And so there's a lot of humility required on Onesimus' part. And so he shows us today in 2022 what love for Christ could look like. It means in humility going and asking for forgiveness. Um, but then there's also Philemon, right? And Philemon displays love for Christ in all those ways we already mentioned, right? Those, those four. But now he gets to forgive his brother. He gets to receive his brother back to him. And if you're not a Christian, I would imagine this, this entire sermon just sounds strange to you. I mean, it seems obvious that we would talk about forgiveness, right? That we would talk about love, right? That we would talk about receiving someone who's wronged us back. But if you were not a Christian in the first century when Paul wrote this, you would laugh at verse 16. Let me read verse 16 one more time. Or, sorry, verse 15 and 16. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you heard this in the first century, and again, you weren't a Christian, you would think that this was just a practical joke, <laughs> that, that someone who owned a slave would welcome back a slave with open arms. They would hear this, and they would think, well, this is just a prank letter, um, I mean, from a worldly perspective, and again, this doesn't do it justice, but it's almost like if you, if you were a boss and you had employees under you and your employees hurt the company and they wronged you, it would be like your board of directors writing to you and saying, hey, remember that employee that, that really gave you problems? Um, yeah, receive them back. You'd think, well, that's going to be terrible for business. Um, that's how a non-Christian would have heard this. They would have said, listen, Social status says that this slave is guilty. Why in the world would you receive him back? And again, just to put this in perspective, um, in the first century, the normal practice for Onesimus would have been torture and death. That's what would have been. That's what they would have said. That's why they would have thought this was a practical joke, because they would have said, "No, no, no. He has he has, he has run away from you." Um, and we could spend a long time talking about just how how wicked and evil that was. Um, but listen, this, this is just one description of slavery in the first century. 
Runaway slaves were brutally punished if caught. Listen to this. They could be crucified, burned alive, or sold to gladiators where they would be eaten by lions. A fugitive slave, like Onesimus, would be hunted down by professional slave hunters. So I mean, that was a common practice, enough where they would have people who actually just spent time hunting down slaves. A slave in the first century was considered a criminal because he had stolen the property of his master. So he had stolen himself, is how they viewed it. And so he was a, he was a thief in their eyes. And again, this, this practice was evil. I mean, it, it was wicked. But it was completely normal in that day to do this horrible thing. So with that in mind, could you imagine how scandalous it would have been to have heard verses 15 and 16? How as people heard that, they would have said, well, wait a minute. He's asking Philemon to do something that's completely countercultural. Verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a little while, that you might have him back forever. As a beloved brother, that's how he's supposed to welcome him back. He says, no, 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 you're not going to think about doing what legally you can do. No, you don't. He, he's, he's, not, he's not just your employee, right? He's not a slave. He is your brother in Christ now. So welcome him back as you would a brother in Christ. And so Philemon could have said, well, wait, everybody else is doing this. Right? I mean, slaves are, are treated like property. They're, they're treated terribly. So then what, why can I do it? Or people would ask, maybe they would ask Philemon that. They would say, look, you have every right to do this wicked thing. And then Philemon would have the opportunity to say, like in verse 6, right, where Paul says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. And not, not necessarily like proclaiming the faith, but like fellowship of, of, of faith. So Philemon would have the opportunity to share something with his non-Christian friends that would be a way of sharing the gospel. He would say, yeah, this slave ran away from me, but I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to send this person to be tortured like you would. You know what I'm going to do because I'm a Christian? I'm going to receive him back. I'm going to embrace my brother in Christ. And I think that would have been completely radical to have heard. I mean, they probably would have thought Philemon was intoxicated or something, or he'd gone crazy. Uh, that's how radical th- this action w- would have been. Um, and I think it, it, would have been, it would have given Philemon this wonderful opportunity to say, I'm not crazy. Right? I'm not making a bad business decision, but I know Christ. This forgiveness that I'm giving to Onesimus, I have received. Right? We, we are united, not, not because of the first century. We're not united because we work together. We're united now because of the blood of Christ. And he could have used that as an opportunity to share the gospel with them. It said, not only do I want to forgive Onesimus and now serve alongside him as a brother in Christ, but I want to call you to believe in Christ, right? Now I want to call you to experience the same unity that makes no sense, right? Why, why would an owner call a slave a brother? Well, it's because they were all under, under Christ. And as we read in, in Galatians earlier, right, we are slaves of Christ uh, together. And so at the end of the day, right, he, he was asking Philemon to do something that was not glamorous. Or it wasn't going to make the news. Hey, owner, forgive slave. Um, it was It wasn't... You know, it, it wasn't glamorous, but he, but he, he was called to do it. Um, and so you might be thinking, look, this has been fun. Philemon's a good book, but I don't own any slaves. I'm not a slave, so I guess this sermon just has nothing to do with me. Uh, but friend, I hope you know that the book of Philemon is for us. It absolutely is for you. Because as you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, 
that are in this room, that should stick out to the world outside. And they should be able to tell that you love the people in this room differently, and that you're united not because of, of, of geography, right? not only because you're, you live near here, but because of what Christ has done. And so, again, it would have been unheard of for a slave owner to welcome back a slave. But it's unheard of that the enemies of God could be made right with God. But we, as, in, as former enemies of God, we know it's possible. And so that's what we tell people. Like, look, yes, the fact that, that we, we all have different jobs, different lives, but we're in different social uh, categories, that doesn't matter. We're, we're not united by anything other than the blood of Christ. That we were enemies of God, but now we've been, been made right with God. So friends, please hear this. Jesus commands all of us to believe in him. I mean, that, that is clear in his word. And so what, what we ask is, is that all people repent and believe in this Jesus. Because this, hopefully, again, if you're not a Christian you read this, I hope you would at least say that is a beautiful picture of unity. And hopefully you will see that this unity isn't because Philemon was a better man. It's not because Paul was a better man. Read the rest of the Bible. You'll, you'll see some of Paul's struggles. But this unity that, that is so beautiful only comes because of what Christ has done. Jesus has forgiven all three of these men. Right? He sacrificed his life in their place. And he brought them together. Jesus made a way for them to know God and for them to have eternal life. So the point of Philemon is not that we get this heartwarming story about an owner and a slave coming together. But Philemon gives us a picture of what it looks like to live a life transformed by Christ. We see that unity can, can be possible. Um, and so, beloved, in response to Christ working faith in us, in, in response to Christ accomplishing, accomplishing salvation for us, right? we are to sacrifice ourselves for our brothers and sisters, even when these sacrifices seem countercultural, which it would have for Philemon. And so as we conclude, if, if you're not striving to do these things, we looked at several that Philemon was doing. Uh, we looked at him forgiving his brother. If, if you were like, not at all worried about serving your brothers and sisters in this way, um, then hopefully God's word gives you something to work towards this morning. So maybe your prayer could be, Lord, help me refresh the hearts of the people at my church. Lord, help me love God's people. Lord, help me forgive other people. So hopefully God through his word gives you something to strive for. But, I mean, there are many of you here who are already trying to do these things. As you've read this, you're like, amen, I want to do this. I'm trying to do it better. I hope you continue doing them. Uh, let me encourage you, keep it up. But I, but I do want to press a little bit. Why are you doing these things? Why are you giving your time to loving God's people? Why are you giving your time to sacrificing people or, or to sacrificing yourself for other people? And well, why are you spending hours praying for people? So what I'm getting at is what motivates your love, right? What motivates your desire to bless your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? What motivates your forgiveness of other people? And I hope that what motivates you is the same thing that motivated our brothers in the book of Philemon. Because you see all three of them in some way are making a sacrifice. So Onesimus in humility has to return back Again, you wouldn't do that if you were a runaway slave. 
you would not willingly go back to your owner because of what could happen. So Onesimus is, is, is making a sacrifice. Philemon is making a sacrifice. Uh, Paul is making a sacrifice. He even says later, if he owes you something, then charge it to me, I'll pay it. Um, so it wasn't business that united. It wasn't like a, a transaction. It wasn't that they were getting some, some type of, of earthly benefit. Right? They didn't gather around sports in the first century at, at, at the Colosseum. Um, but these men, these three men, are, are not only ready and willing, but they're, they're joyfully eager to make these sacrifices because they're brothers in Christ. They, they are united by the person and work of Christ. And that's something that's run all throughout this book that I haven't really pointed out yet. Um, look briefly, look at verse 1. This is what united them. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Again, look at verse 3. Grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, look, at, look at verse 5. Philemon is commended for his faith in Christ. Also in verse 6, Philemon is to share his faith in Christ. Verse 8, where does, where does the boldness of Paul come from in verse 8? It comes from Christ. Moving down to verse 20, he says, Refresh my heart in Christ. And then in verse 25, he, he ends his letter to Philemon, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You see, nowhere in this letter does he point to um, Roman law. Right, nowhere in this letter does Paul point to like social status. Right, nowhere is he saying, here's, here's what the world says is normal. No, he appeals to their common relationship that they have because of what Christ has done for them. And here's what's interesting. We don't know what happens next. You know, we can be pretty sure, but we don't get the second book of Philemon. Right? The next book is, is, is Hebrews. Um, so in a sense, we are left with a, a cliffhanger. We know the characters. Right? We see what happened. We know what Paul has asked of Philemon, but we don't get part two. So we don't get to know, hey, our brothers reconciled. There was forgiveness. It was beautiful. We don't get that answer. And so as we close, I want you to imagine if this letter came to our gathering this morning. If we, if we had read this for the first time, and we would think, as Philemon is sitting here with us, we'll think, Will Philemon display the love of Christ? Will our brother, for the sake of the gospel, put love of Christ first? Kind of stared him sideways. How is Philemon going to respond to this? Well, the people got the answer. Right? I mean, they got to see what happened. They saw how their brother responded. But that's what I wanted to leave us with. How will we respond? Will we display the love of Christ as he has called us to among the people of God? here we should ask ourselves will i for the sake of the gospel put the love of christ first would you pray with me Amen. father you are holy father you are just father you are you are faithful father you are abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness father your mercy endures forever Father, we praise you for giving us your word. Father, thank you for working in our lives. Father, thank you for working through, through Paul and Philemon and Onesimus. Father, again, we pray that through your word, you would convict us of sin. Father, you would give us repentance. Father, that you would stir us up to love and good works. Lord, we pray all of this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.